good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, America. Welcome back to another episode of The C Report. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossetis, and uh, I am coming to you live tonight on this Thursday, 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 July 14th, 2022. I hope you all are well and are ready buckled in, fastened up, or whatever it is that you need to do to prepare yourself for tonight's episode of The Sea Report. And it's great to be back with you all again for another live show. Uh, hope everyone is well. Let's see, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what do we got going on for tonight? Uh, it won't be a heavy, heavy show, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to we're going to do a little bit of updating. Uh, we're going to update some of our files, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to figure out what the heck has been going on around the world and uh, where that leaves us today, ladies and gentlemen. Looks like we got uh, some signs of life out there in the interwebs. Good evening, Relanon and uh, Biltech over in... Um, the foxhole. Uh, glad you guys could join us. R.I.P. Justin says, Bill Tech indeed. Rest in peace, Justin. Um, and uh, well, it's a uh, it's terrible to hear what occurred. So hopefully, hopefully things get squared out over there in Las Vegas. Hopefully things get squared away. Hopefully, uh, hopefully some uh, um. Uh, Hopefully some things just don't get passed by the wayside, if you know what I mean. Hopefully certain actions weren't taken in vain. That's all I've got to say. Uh, Timbajet, what's going on? Good to see ya. I don't want to talk about AOC's taco, thank you very much. I don't think that will be very appetizing to be on the menu tonight, so to speak. <laughs> Timbajet, nasty boy. No AOC tacos, okay? <laughs> Those are not on the menu. And they're not off the menu either. They're no they're in no menu, okay, but the garbage cans. Um Bill Tech asking if we can watch the cannabis in combat interview. Um I did an interview, thank you for asking, with um Justin Amershoff Cannabis in Combat. I know I've mentioned it, I know I've played it before. Um yeah, I considered replaying it. I know that I have, uh, well, you know, like I, I talked a little bit about it on Truth Social. I left a link to it. Um, we could do that at some point, maybe not tonight because I don't got it ready to roll, but uh, definitely for sure. Um, we're not done talking about Las Vegas here at the Sea Report. Uh, so rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, just because you don't hear me uh, say something about it during a show or something doesn't mean that uh, I'm not continuing to look into some of these situations. But, you know, I just, you can't say too much because what if, what if someone doesn't want you to look into these situations? You don't want to telegraph your move to them because you come out on a public broadcasting uh, channel uh, exactly what it is you're going to do. You don't want to telegraph your next move. But anyways, yeah, you know, question, there's far too many questions about what happened uh, to Justin of Cannabis and Combat. 
And I just, you know, I don't know how to describe the way I feel about it. I feel like uh, there's an... I feel like there's kind of an opening here, guys. I mean, you want to talk about uh, the corruption and um, exactly how bad some of these people in power can be. Never mind that it's Las Vegas or Nevada. Never. Who cares where it is? Here's the point. Some of these people are that bad. How bad are they? Are they corrupt? Yes. Do they steal? Yes. Uh, do they lie and deceive and cheat the people? Yes. Are they only in it for their own gain? Yes. Um, how far do they go? Do they traffic children? We don't know. Do they um, kill their political opponents? Uh, well, um, you know, as far as corruption goes and exactly to what extent these individuals would take it to... I feel like there's an opportunity here. An opportunity almost feels like the wrong word to use. Uh, but rest assured, um, you know, find your Garland Favorito moment. I don't know how to say this, but I feel like we have a fresh one right here. Ladies and gentlemen, wherein we can show more than just the corruption and more than just the white collar crime, uh, we could possibly show that uh, blood is on the line here. You know, as far as I'm concerned, and I always say it, guys, you know, I say it, I say it, because we know that violence is not an option. We know violence is not a worthy pursuit. We know that. It is not. It never is violence. It never is. Uh, you know, and so I say, you know, um, may the tree of liberty be washed or watered, I should say, uh, with the blood of our enemies, now, if you say that line in a traditional fashion, you would say the Tree of Liberty is watered by the blood of patriots and traitors. Well, I like to leave the patriots out of that equation, ladies and gentlemen. May the Tree of Liberty be watered with the blood of the enemies of freedom, with the blood of the enemies of liberty, with the blood of the enemies of humanity. But not with the blood of patriots. But traditionally speaking, blood d does fall on both sides. And I kind of feel like, you know, the Tree of Liberty might have just been watered. And um, it's not the best of feelings, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think I'm speaking out of term and I don't... I'm speaking from my heart, honestly. I'm not speaking in any kind of... Uh, schematical type of way. You know what I mean? So anyways, um, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, thank you for the question and the comment, ladies and gentlemen, and indeed, uh, you know, um, not in vain, bro, not in vain. We don't want that to be in vain. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see who else is in the audience uh, before I jump into some of you guys are actually providing um, worthy conversation. We'll play, we'll replay the interview again, or I'll repost it. Uh, we'll we'll do a live, you know, if you guys want to see it again. Uh, but like I said, I'm not done talking about that topic yet. We're not done with that. Mm -mm. Nope, 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 nope. We're not going to be done with it. As done as the uh, police and the media in Las Vegas are probably already done with that topic of conversation. We are not done with it just yet. Okay. Uh, creative writer. Cheers. It's almost Friday. Woot, woot. Rip. Rest in peace, Justin. You had an impact. Indeed he did. And uh, thank you for the can, creative writer. 
Uh, he did have an impact, ladies and gentlemen. I don't, you know, uh, I know he wasn't as um, big and it's it's kind of weird almost talking like about, you know, the, I guess, um, uh, the this side of the screen type of activities and people who did it and people who do it, you know? I mean, I guess you could call it an industry, but I don't, I I don't feel like I participate in said industry if it is an industry. And uh, industry does usually create some type of like uh, economic stability, I would think. Anyways, that's not the point. It, it's strange. But, you know, I don't in, in terms of the size of his audience, I know it was much bigger than my audience. And I know that uh, they adored him. And I know that he had his, um, you know, loyal wolf pack, as it were ladies and gentlemen, and I feel for them, because uh, they will have that part uh, missing in their life, you know, now. Uh, so, I mean, there is what you call what? Um, finality there. There is a finite amount of Justin content now, ladies and gentlemen. So I would recommend, if you hadn't watched his show, that you go check it out over at his Rumble page or CannabisInCombat.com. Yes, he had serious CBD and that was his own business. So now I wonder where that's going to go. You know, he had a lot. He was doing a lot of, you know, a lot of things. And in some of his final episodes, you know, he was just talking about expansion. And, you know, he was talking about some of the other people he'd be working with. He was going to start doing a YouTube series that sound very creative and outside of the box that dealt with uh, formerly um, banned and censored content creators. He was going to start, uh, he had a new studio he was setting up. He was working with at least two other live streaming outfits and podcasting outfits. All of this was happening, it seems like, the month before he died, you know, which was just this past Sunday. God rest his soul, you know, just this past Sunday. Uh, you know, and so I, out of respect for the family, you know, you don't, you really, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be rude or harm them. Uh, and, and you don't want to seem exploitive either. Hello. But, um, the, if this were like he had had, you know, some type of physical uh, ailment that led to his uh, passing or uh, not doing a show anymore, there wouldn't be much need for a conversation. But we're talking about a man who uh, was very much, um, it seemed, based on what I'd seen in his show and the time that I'd met him, uh, that he was, uh, he was very focused. Um, he was uh, very much in it all in, like, you know, we're talking like he, it seems like he was supporting himself. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know his, his inside story. I don't know him personally, you know, uh, you know, he could have been an operative for all I know. I don't, did not get that vibe from him. Like I have from other people. And, and again, like I said, last, this past Saturday night, if that were the case, you know, if Justin were such a thing, right? Like a ghost in the machine. Um, why do they have him sitting with a nobody loser like myself having an interview in Las Vegas? Why isn't he the one who's playing the witness in freaking Washington, D.C.? Because this guy's good, you know? Like, he's good if that's what he is if he's a ghost in the machine he is damn good why do we have lying cassidy hutchison up there blowing their cover you know um but no he no i just uh 
Yeah, so Bill Tech did share some personal information in the audience that I don't care to share across uh, the interwebs. It's nobody's business, but uh, Justin's own. So, I mean, yeah, so that might be a part of him I don't know. But, you know, again, like I said, I didn't know him personally, you know. Uh, I would have to go back and review his shows and see if he ever talked about it or said anything about that because I don't know that side of him personally. Uh, I just know that he did not seem like the suicidal type. He made a bad name for himself running for sheriff and threatening all the Freemasons and threatening Sisolak and uh, Lombardo with exposing their corruption. And he was doing quite a bit of it uh, up there until the end. I know he'd been down to the border wall. He talked about that. Did you guys see that episode where he was talking about the border wall? And he seemed to be suggesting that based on the resonance frequencies that come off of the border wall, that it might actually be some type of instrument or tuning fork. <laughs> Did you guys ever hear that one? You know, uh, I, you know, I didn't listen to his show all the time, but uh, I did catch it when I could. I enjoyed it every time I did, you know? So, um, yeah, I would say go check out his Rumble page before they pull the videos because they've already pulled his Instagram uh, account. Uh, I think someone said it was never there, but he clearly talks about it on his shows and uh, he talks about what you could find there at his Instagram account, which I guess has content on it that are not or were not on any of his other social media platforms. So I don't know, guys. All I know is um, surrounded by cops, not suicidal, it seemed. Uh, but then again, you don't know. You don't know what else was going on there that day. I know there should be a buttload of camera footage. That's what I know. I know there should be a buttload of camera footage, but... Again, I get the vibe from the Las Vegas area that this is going to just be another one of those cases that you print mid-paper mid uh, uh, for the daily on a Tuesday and you never hear about it again. Case closed. He committed suicide. That's it. And we all know that is never the case with our political enemies. Their political enemies, they, they always die by suicide. Even if they shot themselves while they were hanging from a tree, they always seem to, even if they have two gunshot wounds to the head, they always die by suicide, ladies and gentlemen. You know, so, yeah. And Bill Tick says he swore he would never go back to jail. Indeed, he did. But uh, does that explain everything that happened? Does that explain him shooting himself? Or is that just the easy answer? It is an easy answer. And that means it could be correct. I'm not saying it isn't. But uh, do you think if you died in such a situation with the entire laundry list of things that you had done, including running for sheriff and uh, being uh, overly vocal about the, um, you know, Las Vegas shooting or about the stolen money or about uh, the secret societies. And you'd also uh, cussed out the governor of the state in his face on national TV. <laughs> Do you think you would not want someone asking the question for you is what I'm trying to say. If you died under these circumstances, would you just want it to be forgotten news of yesterday midsection paper? Or would you rather someone at least be able to beyond a shadow of a doubt tell you exactly what was documented that day? I would, I would certainly hope if they're like, oh, Mr. C, he died of, uh, 
He died of a Sicilian necktie. You know that Mr. Sissy, he liked to wear his neckties. He just, he got one that was Sicilian and it was a little bit too tight. Yeah, no, I would most definitely want you guys to ask the question. <clears throat> it's not, uh, it's not everyone's uh, strength. I get it, but uh, hopefully you guys know what a Sicilian necktie is, right? You know, but Justin also did say, if you don't see a video, don't believe shit. So I think if he was going to uh, never return to jail, he would probably go out shooting the cops and truly die by cop by suicide, not shoot himself to to an audience of clowns, right? The cops, okay? And probably cops working in Lombardo or in Sisalak's personal detail. Nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I'm saying. I'm just going to ask the questions, but that's all I've got to say about that now. Show me the footage, says Aurelius Locke. That's what I say too. And I'm just saying all kinds of crazy things up here today, aren't I? Total Looney Tunes, that one, the Manic Sea is. But uh, thank you for asking the question, you know, um, uh, because it does me good to know that he was, I know he was loved and appreciated, but I know you guys actually uh, talking about it, voicing your concern, your perspectives, your memories or, you know, your um, uh, love for, for him and uh, what he was doing, uh, that does my heart good. I'm glad to know that there's a place that you guys can come talk about this. Um, but yes, very, very sad. Texas Grammy 22. Hey, Texas Grammy. This is very sad. Very sad. She cried and prayed a lot when she found out. Yep. I would, uh, yeah. Yep. Shocketh. Not shooketh. I was shocketh. When I found that out, I thought it was a, uh, thought it was the, you know, cannabis in combat is not going to be on the air anymore type of deal. Not what it was. Not what it was, ladies and gentlemen, not what it was. Uh, it's a terrible story, Timbajet. Didn't have to share that, but, uh, I see your point. Maybe not. Maybe not, ladies and gentlemen, maybe not. Oh, what's Bill Tech got going on here? Ivanka? <laughs> I'm all Ivanka. <laughs> I don't know. What happened to Ivanka Trump? Do you guys want to talk about J6 committee? I don't have them on the menu for tonight. <laughs> Speaking of menus, I already forgot that I needed to pull up tonight's statements from President Trump. We'll go ahead and get that done while you guys are <laughs> figuring that out in the uh, audience over there. What is Bill Tech talking about? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Ivanka, yeah, um, I guess, uh, are we talking about betrayal here or something? Uh, betrayal, is that what it is? Do I not have any statements? Ah, it looks like I have no statements, ladies and gentlemen. I have no current Trump statements. This is blasphemy. If there ever was blasphemy. Ivana, what about Ivana? Did she off herself too? 
if you're talking about Ivana, you know, um, Ivana from uh, Ivana from the block. <laughs> you're talking about Ivana and Melissa, right? Is that who you're talking about? Pardon my Trump, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that that woman's still alive. That hoe's still alive. What you talking about? I've seen Ivana. <laughs> I've seen her running around. I've seen her running around New York at night acting like she's supposed to be dead. <laughs> like, oh crap. They recognized me even without my wig on. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, don't get me on an Ivanka or a, an, a, an Ivana twist. Don't get me on an Ivana twist. We'll say that, okay, because... <laughs> oh, no, it just won't be good, ladies and gentlemen. It just won't be good. I don't know. I mean, she might be dead by now. That video came some years ago, but some years later, if you get what I'm saying. Ladies and gentlemen, about Ivana Tinkle. <laughs> I had so many chosen, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see where we'll begin here. Oh, we haven't gone through that yet. Nope, there's still so much to catch up with. Um, I, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, let's talk, okay, okay. Since we're talking about, oh, but if I do that, will it do this? Oh, clever, clever, neat. Okay, we're going to look at some, you know, I did not even do this the proper way. Hold on. Let me do this the proper way. <laughs> oh, dang it. I forgot. Okay, you see you guys have gotten me off on a little twist here. Okay, before we get to the President Trump statements, don't forget to stop by thecreport.com where you can uh, gain access to the Shop Mr. C TV online merchandise store oh at the cereport.com you just click on the store tab in the menu at the top and it takes you here ladies and gentlemen to the mr c tv uh shop online shop ladies and gentlemen where you can get your favorite c report and mr c related merchandise shop now between uh today and the 17th and you can get 17 percent off look at that wow all of those articles and items, 17% off every single one of them you say, I do say so. When you enter promo code 1776REBORN, that's promo code 1776REBORN at the checkout. So go to thecreport.com, click on store and support your uh, favorite neighborhood uh, show called The Sea Report with Mr. C on the Mr. C TV network. <laughs> there you go, guys. Housekeeping real quick, real quick. Now through the 17th, I got rid of my commercial voice, okay? Some new designs, Secretary of the Snakes are the newest because my uh, COVID-19 design did not seem to hack it. They're like, this isn't good enough, Mr. C. You cannot have this wretched COVID-19 design. It is so boring. It is so unoriginal. It is so passe. And I was like, well, I never. <sighs> Truth of the matter is, uh, I violated some term of service, okay? 
Go! Go henceforth to thecereport.com. Get your 17% off now through the 17th with promo code 1776REBORN. Okay, we're done. We are done, ladies and gentlemen. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Timbajet, thank you for the cookie. Uh, he says, uh, my story was to illustrate how suicide is not worth it. Don't do it. It is not worth it. Do not do it. You know, you see, he didn't talk about uh, life after Justin when he talked about death. He did not talk about suicide. He was like, he, he never said, well, you know, um, if I were to commit suicide, it's not like I would leave anyone behind that depends on me. I don't have a child. I don't have a wife. I don't have a family or I don't even have a dog anymore. So why would I commit suicide? He didn't say that. He said, is what I'm doing dangerous? Well, you know, I know there are risks involved, but uh, it's not like if they get me um, that there will be anyone left to depend on me, like a child or a wife. I don't even have a dog anymore. He didn't say any of that about suicide. He said that about them coming after him. That's what he said. Anyways, it could be a big old psyop, mm. right? Mm. I don't know. That's cynical. That is cynical. All right, so now we have our President Trump's uh, truths, the statements, President Trump's statements, ladies and gentlemen. Let us get to it uh, because we've got some ground to cover. I said we're doing some updates today here at the Sea Report. Uh, uh, so we are going to uh, update you guys on some stories that have been occurring that we talk about and that we touch about uh, touch on every now and then. And let me just say another thing for a fact. One of these updates we haven't touched in a while because they said it was contagious. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's some kind of a hint about where we'll be going throughout the night. Let's get to these uh, Trump truths. The Trump statements, ladies and gentlemen. They're Trump statements directly from Truth Social itself because uh, uh, because the news guy didn't get it clipped out before the show start. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> okay, uh, a statement number one. Wow, Morning Joe is tanking badly. Never mind that this is four days ago, okay, guys? <laughs> Their ratings are down 15% for one year and 38% over a two-year period. Is it possible that he's thinking of replacing his psycho wife, co-host Amika, with somebody else? It can only be an improvement in that there are many with far more talent. Okay. And it shows their ratings going to look at that tank right there, ladies and gentlemen. Look at the size of that tank. Mm-hmm. Going down, 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 down. Apparently, uh, Morning Joe is going down. He's got another one. Let's uh, take a gander at the troll. Oh, there's Morning Joe's ratings again. In any event, these numbers are in the sleepy eyes Chuck Todd category. Meet the fake press. On the other uh, hand, a show that is doing really well is Fox and Friends Weekend Edition with the wonderful hosts three, Maria Bartiromo's Sunday Morning Futures. Okay, and we still got some Morning Joe ratings there. So uh, President Trump is currently uh, promoting uh, Fox News. 
I don't know, guys. Fox News is an operative. But they're still promoting it. Could it be for the revival, the resuscitation, and the resurrection of the Republican Party? Ladies and gentlemen, that remains to be seen on how the Republicans act betwixt now and 2022 midterms. Next statement, Bada El Trumpo. The unselect committee of political hacks and thugs is yet another radical left Democrat scam used to criminalize politics and try against all hope to change what will be totally disastrous results in the 2022 and 2024 elections. They should not be allowed to get away with it any longer. Are you listening, Republicans and Fox News? Are you listening, America? It, are you listening, America? Are you listening, Republicans? Do you get it yet? Can you see it now, fair Republicans? Of all statures of political power, do you understand? We understand. Hmm? We, oh, we understand, ladies and gentlemen, we understand up to the point that we can't believe we haven't done something about it before. That's how much we understand. Why is it that the unselect committee of political hacks refuses to investigate the fact that crazy Nancy Pelosi rejected my strong recommendation through the Secretary of Defense and others of 10,000 plus troops for capital protection. Three days before January 6th, the chairman, together with psycho Liz Cheney and crying Adam Kinsinger, said it is off limits. We will not investigate it, knowing full well that it is the essence of the ever-continuing witch hunt there is no January 6th. It makes you wonder what they're going to come up with next. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, in the event that this totally falls through, as it should have already. I mean, when you have uh, three separate state parties in three separate states and probably a whole lot more than that who have declared that they want to decertify the 2020 election and yet you have a panel of um you have a panel of lying treasonous so-called representatives who are using ancient archaic court rulings to determine the way that this entire shimsham flimflam is going to go you know uh it's kind of like uh, there's this whole other world outside your little shim-sham flim-flam bubble of a committee, okay, where things are progressing and advancing and growing and expanding and changing and altering and everything every single day. And you guys don't seem to have, you guys seem to have put yourself in this little like time capsule of the uh, week after uh, November 3rd, 2020. And you guys are stuck in this time capsule from like, December 2020, right, where they're like, oh, Trump failed all of these court proceedings. And uh, they he uh, the judge declared, which uh, ultimately, guys, the judge, 
you know, the judge is. Te technicalities, lack of standing, remember? That's the court's way of saying you don't understand what we're about to do to you. F we just flipped you a quick one. Ah, you didn't get it? Oh, it's because you have no standing. You don't understand anything. So, with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, with this time capsule of a flim-flam-shim-sham committee and their current archaic, out-overdated, uh, you know, uh, uh, court rulings that they're using as the, uh, the uh, gasoline stimulant energy for this entire shim-sham-flim-flam. <laughs> what are they going to do when this witch hunt fails, you know? <laughs> What are they going to do when this witch hunt fails? They are trying to get this thing to go, what, beyond, what, November? <laughs> Come on, we're already on episode number seven. You guys still haven't told us what Trump did so wrong, cross, illegal, and unstatesmanly, and treasonous, and against America, and against democracy yet. You've had over a month. <laughs> Come on, Putin, let's get out of Ukraine, right? Come on, shim sham flim flam. You guys have been at it for over a year and now you've had our attention for over a month and you still haven't proven your case. Why wouldn't you do it as soon as you could do it? Why would you prolong it as long as you could prolong it? Could it possibly be because you have absolutely nothing to show for your shim, sham, flim, flam, unselect committee? Quite obviously this is the case. Ladies and gentlemen, and they are just hoping that the um, polls that they take at the end of every shim sham flim flam hearing, that the notch of public opinion gets turned up against Trump a little bit more. They're like, come on, we just need like five more episodes and that that percentage of public disgust will get there and we can just throw the book at him and no one will do anything to stop it just like they've done with the rhinos this whole time. The heat was never turned up enough. The face was never known in public enough. And that's why we have rhinos. And somehow this is all interconnected, ladies and gentlemen. Because like President Trump said, if we're talking about witch hunts, they're not going after him. He is standing in the way of them coming for us. So you want to talk about President Trump getting uh, being the subject of a witch hunt? We are the subjects of that witch hunt, ladies and gentlemen, and they're doing everything that they can to stop someone who is effective in getting the power returned to the people. So what are they going to do when the shim sham flim flam falls apart? What are they going to do when all the states start the certifying and they're still up there saying, but wait, there was no election fraud. <laughs> you see, shim sham flim flam, life don't work like that, okay? You know, if the states are decertifying, you can't stand up there with outdated court rulings saying there was no fraud when there's plenty of fraud that has been acknowledged and documented in the court systems today in America. You know, uh, shim sham flim flam, why don't you go get the court, uh, why don't you go get precedence that was set? <laughs> in some courts regarding some of this data, okay? Whether there was a ruling or not, that evidence is there, okay? It is there. It is quantifiable. Shim, sham, flim, flam. So please get on with your archaic 
outdated court rulings. But poppycock, I say. Poppycock, poppycock, and a lot more poppy. <laughs> oh, goodness, Shim Sham Flim Flam. Okay, let's move on to the. I don't think I've ever had as much fun with President Trump's statements. Uh, let's see here. Did we talk about this one? We did not. Uh, uh, Y'all wanted to talk about the shim sham flim flam. Oh, wait, I forgot. They were talking about Ivana, not Ivanka. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What does he got to say now, this president? Hey, if she takes my recommendation and properly does her job, as everybody now knows, it is Nancy Pelosi and the mayor of D.C. who are responsible for security of the Capitol, not the president. That must be why all of those sergeant-at-arms died for both the Republican and Democrat parties. Or I should say the upper and the lower chamber, my bad. Uh, I guess that would be all Democrat, right? Um, let's see here. So it says, uh, why is she not being accused? Did she want this to happen by her lack of action? Did she incite the doings of January 6th? Was she, in fact, hoping for a real insurrection, one where they actually brought guns, thinking it would be a wonderful thing? Wow. Wow. So, that's pretty crazy. That's, uh, actually, no, not this is not crazy. I mean, this, what Trump just said, this entire concept, which is probably accurate and true. I mean, it's on truth, so it must be true. No, just kidding. But um, no, uh, as I was saying, uh, this is nothing surprising to people who are initiated into the, the shenanigans that um, the likes of Nancy Pelosi and, and her uh, people like her subscribe to. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It was her job. It was Chucky e. Schumer's job. It was their job to get security for the Capitol. He offered, okay? I mean, if there were a possible cross-examination and if there were possible, you know, it was an actual, like, proceeding, uh, if they showed the memo where Trump offered 10,000-plus soldiers to the Capitol, I mean, I would think that any blind to justice, uh, you know, and a fair judge would just toss the entire case out. They'd be like, case closed. Why would he and how could he have incited, personally incited, that, uh, that uh, false flag riot if he offered 10,000 troops? That would have made his job of inciting this insurrection far more difficult and far more likely to fail at its objective. So toss it out. Toss it out. Anyhow, uh, what was surprising to me is actually uh, what Texas Grammy 22 put in the chat room. Uh, good evening again, Texas Grammy. Uh, and thank you for the cookie. Says Trump's statements on Ivana's death is on Truth Social praying for family. So don't I feel like a big old jack asshole right now? <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not look at today's headlines, guys. You see what you know? And I had the foresight to begin to... And uh, I got distracted talking about something else. Well, you know what? Rest in peace, Ivana. 
I don't know how I got her confused with the one that does the fashion. Um, I was not aware. So uh, I retract everything I said about Ivana and Melissa and about her running around New York like a rat at night with really bad hair. And uh, clearly I have my Ivanas confused. Period. But uh, maybe we'll check out that statement. Uh, rest in peace, Ivana. Still just a little bit confused. Did I get, did I jump into a different timeline today? Whoopsie. My bad. Or maybe my good. I don't know. Oh, wait. We already read this one. Oh, wait. No, we didn't. Oh, oh, oh. It's another Nancy Pelosi. For her and her sick political ambitions, the unselect committee should be immediately terminated unless and until they are able to answer this overriding question. Why did crazy Nancy not act? Was she too busy policing her husband, who he, uh, who he was with, where and when? The committee must get to the bottom of this and must get there soon. You better start shifting gears there, committee, against whatever it is that you're planning on doing. I mean, they're running on so much hot air right now. It's, uh, it's, inter it's entertainingly bad. I would have to say it's entertainingly bad. Incredibly, Congresswoman Lothgren of the Unselect Committee said they did not call witnesses to corroborate the testimony of other fake witnesses like Cassidy Hutchinson, who I barely knew or even recognized and who lied during her testimony. Things and statements could be easily proven, but... They don't want proof because there is none. So they did not ask witnesses for corroboration. The plot thickens as we pick through and uh, decipher all of their easy puzzles. Yeah, because they're so obvious. These people are so obvious. President-select Biden is one of the oldest 79s in history. <laughs> And uh, by, uh, but by and of itself, he is not an old man. There are many people in their 80s and even 90s that are as good and sharp as ever. Biden is not one of them, but it has little to do with his age. In actuality, life begins at 80. Talk about, talk about uh, um, trolling your enemies, right? They're like, what? Eight more years of Trump? What? Six more years of Trump? What? Twelve more years of Trump? Wait, what? He's barely starting his life at 80? <laughs> How old is his mofo gonna be? Is he gonna outlive all of us? Very, very possible. Very, very possible. <laughs> okay, we only got a few more to go through, and then I promise... <laughs> We'll get on with the show. Uh, isn't it incredible that the people who cheated, rigged, and stole the 2020 presidential election, for which there is massive and incontestable or uncontestable evidence and proof, and now even the Wisconsin Supreme Court justice ruled that ballot boxes, which are impossible to control and easy to cheat with, are illegal, are totally protected from harm, the fix is in. 
and the people that caught them cheating are being investigated. Someday soon, this will change, or we won't have a country anymore. Very true, President Trump, I would agree, and I'm no expert. <laughs> Very true. That's some food for thought, ladies and gentlemen, for those who don't know it. Congratulations to the great legendary Jack Nicklaus on being named a citizen of St. Andrews. This is an incredible honor in Scotland or anywhere, and no one deserves it more than Jack, a true winner and a champion. And I am out of my depth on that one. I have no idea who Jack Nicklaus is, okay? Couldn't tell ya, couldn't tell ya. All right. Second to final statement, can anyone even imagine the unselect committee which was formed solely for the purpose of bringing down my numbers or worse, relying on the fake and made up stories already largely debunked of a female scam artist, Cassidy Hutchinson, who desperately wanted to go with Trump team to Florida long after January 6th, and went crazy when she was told no. They called her a leaker, and worse, did not want her. Oh, that Cassidy Hutchinson. Her political career is over, but she'll probably make it on the legacy networks, um, should they uh, remain the same. Okay, last statement. Look at the people sitting on the unselect committee of political hacks and thugs. Have you seen them before? Yes. They are essentially the same lunatics that drove the country crazy with their lies and made up stories like Russia, 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 and all of the others who were caught in the act so many times. And now they're just going with this hoax, which is as true as me trying to strangle a Secret Service agent from behind. And she said, the beast. I wasn't even in the beast. Beast. Lying Cassidy Hutchinson. Lying Cassidy Hutchinson. Maybe she can get a gig on Saturday Night Live or something like that. She'll fit in perfectly with all of those uh, transgender skim scammers. Uh, sorry, not skim scatters, skim scammers, skit scatters. Because they scat skits or something like that. Ladies and gentlemen... Well, there you go. Statements by President Trump. Did those all line up well, Mr. C? Uh, oh, 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 oh. Could there be one more President Trump statement on the table? Yes, there could be. Okay. The final and definite true last statement here. This will be better. Uh, because 
after Russia, 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 impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the Mueller no collusion witch hunt and others, they've all had it. And our country has had it too. We all want to see America be great again. And these political investigations and made up fairy tales do exactly the opposite. Plus, they take up a lot of time, energy, and money. All right. Yes. Last statement from President Trump seems to me like, you know, a lot of talk about Russia from President Trump in those final statements. Indeed, indeed. A lot of talk about Russia. It's almost as if, though, he knew that we would be talking about Russia today ourselves. What do we got? What is this? Okay. No graphic. Good job. Uh, uh, tech team. Oh, that's me. Okay, so... <laughs> Running gag. Okay, so uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Russia, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to be one of our first updating stories for tonight. And that, my friends, would be all about the Russia special military operation uh, taking place in Ukraine at this time. Now, uh, one would have to ask, um, is, is... Russia still having a special military operation in Ukraine? And, you know, that is actually a far better question than uh, what's a special military operation? Or, or what are you talking about? Russia invaded Ukraine and they're trying to take it over, okay? Because apparently that is the understanding that every single person in this nation and on this planet are supposed to have about what's going on in Ukraine, you know? But that's like why I said a very good question to ask at this point would be, is Russia still having its special military operation. Uh, you know, I've heard from good sources that the military operation is actually over, okay? Uh, they're done. But it, it, it seems and it appears, ladies and gentlemen, that, um, well, now that it's over, the West decides to send in more weapons, <laughs> They decide to send in more weapons. They decide to, to possibly send in ground uh, support when it's over. Okay? I mean, they're done. It's like, apparently, uh, Putin wiped out all of the Nazis. <laughs> apparently, he demilitarized uh, what he needed to demilitarize there in um, Ukraine, uh, but the West isn't done yet. Uh, indeed, I did say that they needed to prolong this as much as possible in order to ensure that they got Putin where they wanted him. I said, Putin, the longer you stay in Ukraine, the far more danger you are in of, uh, them being able to turn a tide on you. And, uh, particularly in regard to the, um, uh, media propaganda tide. You know, they like to turn that tide, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the Ukrainians, the, well, I should say the Western influences, the globalist influences that are 
taking over most of this operation. Uh, they are re relying heavily on media propaganda and the work of their bullhorns through the legacy press and the mainstream um, media, ladies and gentlemen. But one thing that is for sure, uh, as we've seen, it's gotten to the point to where uh, the press could not necessarily continue to lie about Russia's stance in Ukraine. Uh, they've had to tell some truths about different cities and um, different regions that have been liberated from the Nazis um, and the Russians have occupied and then left, right? Or speaking of the um, Russians being solely in the region of the Donbass in the final leg of their special military operation, uh, they've had to uh, tell the truth. I mean, Russians are what? Uh, possibly in one or two or three other locations throughout Ukraine, but minimally, you know, just a, a small branch bracket, whatever you want to call it, uh, platoon, I'm not sure. The military speak for it. But um, bombing, you know, bombing some areas still, the Russians are, because that is where all of the Western munitions supplies and war uh, supplies are being stationed. So if you hear, oh, Kiev just got bombed by Russia today, they uh, shelled Kiev, Kiev is this, Kiev's that, oh, what did Kiev ever do to you? You know, did Russia ever even go into Kiev and take and ransack Kiev like uh, illegitimate Joe said? Illegitimate Joe's like, they're gonna, they're gonna sack Kiev. They're gonna sack Kiev. And I was like, okay. Uh, that doesn't seem to be like that was in Russia's plan, but uh, if you say so, Western media, if you say so, uh, little football, Antony Blinken, if you say so, illegitimate, falling up the stairs, poopy pants, ice cream eating, Joe Pedo Biden, oh, I'm sorry, Robinette Pedo Biden uh, Jr., if you say so. Uh, but, you know, American audiences, uh, the American uh, initiate, those who, you know, uh, like to pay attention to the details and might happen to catch some of the fragmented truths on Russia full well know what the heck is going on in Russia. There are so many sources available across the internet for even uh, the most curious sleeping zombie American can go and find out what's really happening in Russia. And you know, I am just so elated that the counter narrative, which is the true narrative, is the one that seems to be prevailing in regards to how Western agencies are covering the news of Ukraine and Russia. What has been one of the motus operandi of the people of Ukraine and their Western handlers, their NATO handlers, if you will, even? One of their modus operandi was to create and sustain public disgust for the Russians to create and maintain public apprehension and negative view of the Russians, which the Russians quite, uh, quite honestly just deemed Russophobia, right? 
Oh, well, I get it. This is a little bit of Asian hate we're experiencing here. This is a little Eastern Asian hate, right? Uh, that's the Russians are facing Russian hate, Russia hate. I don't know what you would call that. Russophobia. So, uh, you know, the West, the media and everything, everything that falls under the umbrella of media, whether it be entertainment, print or news, have all been on this uh, anti-Russia campaign, you know, and the entire time, the only thing that Russia has been up to has been liberating the Donbass. Of course, how does liberating the Donbass get spun? How does um, saving potentially hundreds to hundreds of thousands of lives from absolute extermination, okay? How do you spin that? How do you spin that um, the people of this region no longer wanted to participate in the ruse that was the Western-controlled leadership of Ukraine? And these people, when they said no, oh, did they get whacked, ladies and gentlemen. For eight years, the nation, the government, and some of the military of Ukraine just uh, totally hated the Donbass people. They're like the People's Republic of Luhansk, the People's Republic of Donetsk. We got to kill these mofos. If they support, if they support Russia, they're dead. If they support Ukraine. We'll recruit them and we'll take their women and children and do what we want with them. Because like I said, it was only part of Ukraine's military. Uh, but uh, the larger part of it would have been, you know, the uh, rebels, the uh, which were the, the Azov battalion people, you know, the Banderites. What's a Banderite? Stephen Bandera, the father of Ukrainian Nazism. Stephen Bandera, Banderite. When you hear Banderite, they're not talking about bandits and they're not talking about thieves. They are talking about bona fide, ultra-nationalist, white supremacist, uh, Aryan-believing, uh, 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 racist, race-cleansing, racist Nazis. When you hear the term Banderite, these are the people who are fighting for Ukraine and killing the, uh, killing the citizens of the Donbass. These were the people, uh, along with uh, foreign mercenaries, along with international mercenaries, along with uh, uh, what they call, like, what do they call them? Like war pigs, war hogs, uh, people who just go to areas of conflict to participate in killing and death and destruction and chaos. Apparently, that class of human exists. How disgusting, right? So that's what you had going on for eight years, okay? And then, uh, well, the people of the Donbass appeal to Russia. Please, Russia, come and save us, basically. But, of course, how does this get spun? Everything I just said. How does it get spun? It gets spun, it gets spun this way. All Putin is trying to do is expand his Soviet... Uh, Soviet Union wannabe Russia. So now that he's got the Donbass, I should say, now that the people of the Donbass are liberated, now that the Republic of the Donetsk and the Republic of Luhansk 
uh, no longer have the elements of Nazis and uh, Ukraine military. <laughs> they do have the U.S. Embassy over there. That is quite a hoot, ladies and gentlemen. The United States Embassy is located in the uh, Donet no, the Luhansk region. <laughs> oh, the irony of it all, right? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The Sea Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecereport.com. At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com, that's www.thecereport.com and be sure to follow us on our social medias truth social rumble twitch clout hub and pill.net well, the u.s embassy is in luhansk not in kiev uh, i guess i guess i guess maybe they needed the u.s embassy to be in Luhansk, so this way they could uh, operate their uh, Eastern ultranational Nazi-supporting operations deep in the heart of the anti-Ukrainian foothills of the Donbass region. So interesting, isn't it? Isn't it so interesting when you kind of pick it all apart? So anyhow, guys, anyhow, so uh, yeah, but the West, and that's including our leaders, okay? The West and our leaders uh, think that you are too dumb to realize any of this or that uh, you don't know what the heck's going on over there, guys. Uh, the, the split narrative that has come from the Ukraine-Russia conflict, the Russia Special Military Operation, I always said, ladies and gentlemen, could quite possibly be one of those situations that shines a bright light on things that were never seen before, things that we heard about happening, things that we heard other people talking about, but things that we could not fully comprehend or understand at any amount of depth other than to parrot the idea or to allow the idea to roll on because uh, you, uh, my mind, your mind, whose mind, whoever's mind just was not yet developed enough to grasp the entire, the entirety of the concept, you know? And uh, now we can see it, guys. Isn't it beautiful? We have the ears to hear, the eyes to see, the minds to comprehend, the soul to stomach the truths of this world. And this very well could be one of those times that the media will have bitten off far more than they can chew because they were complicit on COVID and they were wrong. They were complicit on the elections and they were wrong. They were complicit on Ukraine to the toll of what? 15 to 20,000 people dead in an eight-year period and thousands dead within the last 
month and a half to two months of this special military operation when it could have been done and over with had the United Nations actually heeded to the fact that we had runaway Nazis committing a, a raucous genocide, not just in the Donbass, they did it also in uh, Odessa as well. Uh, and they've done, and they also did it in Kiev center as well, you know, to instigate the entire colored revolution of 2014. These same forces have been working in this nation. And, uh, you know, some people will kind of uh, you shrug off the idea of Nazis being in Gavelli. There might have been Nazis. There might have been Nazis in the government, but there were, they were not all Nazis. Oh, you certainly not. You know, what if it was only the Democrat Party that was the Nazis? Well, you know, that's not the whole government of the United States of America. It's just part of the government of the United States of America. So it's okay. Is it okay? When you all you have to do is get them in the right office or the right position of power and you don't need everyone to be a Nazi. Now, let's not diminish the number of Nazis or the number of Nazis in government in Ukraine. I mean, in the uh, in the uh, population of the uh, white brotherhood of Ukraine, uh, and that's uh, that's including all far-right, ultra-nationalist, uh, white supremacy-type individuals. We're talking about hundreds of thousands, okay? I mean, that is the majority of their defense line in the Donbass. Now, if the Donbass is made up of a whole bunch of people that favor Russia, some people that favor Ukraine, and a whole bunch of white nationalists... Do you not think if there were oh a handful of Nazis in Ukraine that they Donbass would be in the situation that it's been in for the last eight years? Uh, I mean, they are the same ones that sent Zelensky with his tail tucked between his legs running away because they would not listen to him. They knew he was a puppet. They're like, oh, the puppet's trying to uh, come off his strings, this Zelensky is. Oh, the puppet wants to play the piano with his fingers this time, does he? Oh, we'll see about that, Zelensky. You pull down those pants and you get to play in that piano, boy, the way I want you to. So, yeah, there's a lot of them in government in Ukraine. Between 2000 and 2000, uh, 2014 and 2020, those numbers increased. Ladies and gentlemen, those numbers increased. It's an absolute uh, fable to say that, oh, once upon a time, certain uh, conspiracy theorists in the West believed that there were Nazis in Ukraine. Oh, a fable indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Now, as I was saying, though, as I was saying, um, a, a, the, the true story is slowly being forced into the narrative of the West, uh, you know, because with so many examples of these Ukrainian, Ukro-Nazi people just shelling and bombing and destroying their own infrastructure, their own uh, civ civilization, you know, and their people. Uh, it's gonna get out, ladies and gentlemen. You can't hide from your actions for too long. How do we get here? Well, here's a good example, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a good example. Here's a photo uh, that uh, took place after a shelling in the Donbass region at the hands of the Ukraine. Let's take a gander-er-er. -er. 
since my articles are moved around here. Oh, are they moved around? There we go. I think that'll work for now. Maybe not. Okay. So it says here, uh, Ukrainian forces bear some blame for civilian deaths in nursing home attack. Now, you know, several times it has happened. Uh, the uh, Russians bombed a, um, a nursing home. The Russians bombed a nursery. The Russians bombed a kindergarten. The Russians bombed a shopping mall. The Russians bombed a train station. The Russians massacred an entire town. The Russians dug mass graves. The Russian gutted and uh, slit the throat of a mayor of a town. The Russians have been raping the boys. The Russians have been raping the women. The Russians, the Russians, the Russians. And you know, even some of the alternative independent mainstays have been reporting inaccurately. I would suggest a lot of these stories. Well, they're starting to have to tell the truth. This is from the Epoch Times, okay? And I did my entire international news coverage spiel when we talked about uh, Shinzo Abe on Tuesday. So I'll, I'll spare you guys. Now it says Ukrainian forces bear some blame. Oh, well, you know, they do, they do bear some blame. But here's the, here's the ticket. This is according to a United Nations report. So what does the United Nations know? And why are they allowing the media of the West to continue to run away with the complicity of lying to their audience and also covering for the deaths of innocent Ukrainian people at the hands of their own military or the Azov or the IDAR or the right sector, whatever battalion of racist, white supremacist, ultra-nationalist, Nazi, Banderite it is. Why is the West not reporting it? Why are we blaming Russia? Article says, Ukrainian forces put civilians at risk during an attack on March 11th on a nursing home in southeast Kiev, according to a report from the United Nations. Just two weeks after Russia mounted an invasion into Ukraine on February 24th, a care house in the village of Stara Krasnyanka was attacked. Located in the eastern region of Luhansk, the village is about 360 miles southeast of Kiev. Ukrainian authorities had blamed Russian forces squarely for killing more than 50 civilians in what it, in what it said was an unprovoked attack. But the report by the UN's Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights released in late June suggests that Ukrainian soldiers bear some blame for the situation. Um, could the blame to be bared, born, bore by these Ukrainian officials be perhaps that they decided to hide all of their warheads in the uh, nursing home? Could it possibly be that the uh, Nazi armies and their commanders had decided to uh, use the nursing home and its citizens as a uh, base of operations that would keep the Russians away? 
And is that not a war crime? Is that not a uh, breaking rules of engagement, right? And will they be held accountable for that? And does it state anything about that in the report? Come on, UN, let's see how fair and square you are, right? The report covers what the United Nations has assessed as violations of international humanitarian law that have occurred in the ongoing Ukraine-Russia war from February 24th to May 15th. According to the report, soldiers from Ukrainian armed forces had entered the care house in Stara Kresnyanka of, on March 7th because the site had strategic value due to its proximity to an important road. The report stated that on the morning of March 11th, soldiers from the Russian-affiliated group attacked the care house with heavy weapons with patients and staff still inside. At the time, 71 patients with disabilities and 15 staff, as well as Ukrainian soldiers, were in the care house with no access to water or electricity. The report stated that on March 11th, the day of the attack, a fire started and spread across the house while fighting was ongoing. Some staff and patients fled the care house and ran into the forest until they were met five kilometers away by Russian-affiliated armed groups who provided them with assistance. Okay, so the Russians provided them with assistance, it appears. According to various accounts, at least 22 patients survived the attack but the exact number of persons killed remains unknown. Prior to the attack in early March, the management of the care house had requested local authorities to evacuate the residents, but it was reportedly impossible as Ukrainian armed forces had allegedly mined the surrounding area and blocked the roads. Oh, so the Ukrainian armed forces decided to uh, stop the locals or the civilians from getting having any type of... Uh, of uh, access way out and they also put landmines you know those things that explode that you step on and you go boom in the area how utterly convenient for the people of this care house uh the ohschr what does that stand for again the office of the what it stands for the office of the high commissioner for human rights office of the high commissioner of human rights. God, it is quite a title. So it says here uh, that uh, the Office of the High Commissioner of Human for Human Rights said that it is concerned that both Russian and Ukrainian soldiers launched military operations near civilians but did not take any measures to protect civilians. You see, and this is what you're going to see in the report, okay? They know for a fact that the Ukrainians did not... Okay, if they have to put Ukrainian, the Ukraine people in this equation here about not protecting civilians, they absolutely must include Russian interests in that equation because it can't just be the Ukrainians, but what they're hearing is it's the Ukrainians who are doing this. Uh, the, you know, that is one of the talking points, one of the points of clarity uh, that people like uh, Sergei Lavrov have uh, gone uh, beyond measure to express has been one of their operating procedures, the safety of civilians. But 
from everybody and particularly from those on the ground in Ukraine and particularly from firsthand experiences that I have watched dozens of, they are all saying it's the Ukraine army that's putting out the landmines. It's the Ukraine army that is uh, conducting uh, uh, military operations in civilian areas. It is the Ukrainian army that is using civilian um, civilian domiciles as uh, military operations, a uh, basis of operation. Insane, okay? But the, the Office of the High Commission of the Human Rights must absolutely make sure that they drop Russia into the mix there. Am I saying Russia is perfect? No. Am I saying there's not a crooked, evil Russian soldier out there that exists? No. But they're not doing these things. Violating Geneva Conventions? No, sir, Bob, I really don't think so. We have not had any type of documentation to suggest that the Russians have uh, violated Geneva Conventions. And any time we've seen uh, a war crime or a human rights concern, it has always been debunked as being actual Ukrainian armed force operations trying to use a media smear campaign by uh, rigging these events, by causing these events, by manufacturing these occurrences. The Office of the uh, High Commissioner for Human Rights says, is further concerned by reports of the use of human shields. Again, Ukrainians, which involves seeking the use, uh, seeking to use the presence or movement of the civilian population or individual civilians to render certain points or areas immune from military operations. Who has needed to do such a thing? The Russian armed forces have never ever needed to use the presence or movement of a civilian population or individual civilian to render certain points or areas immune to Ukrainian military operations. It has always been the Ukrainians who have been on the receiving end of the um, uh, machine gun, ladies and gentlemen. They are the ones who've been on the run. They are the ones who are being defeated. They are the ones who are being arrested. They are the ones who are surrendering. They're the ones that need human shields. The Russians have never needed human shields. They're like, we're right out on the outskirts of Kiev right here, and we're just going to park our tanks, and we're just going to shell the areas that we know have your weapons, uh, albeit that there are no uh, mass civilian um, uh, um, living uh, domiciles here, you know? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. The use, the use of human shields is specifically prohibited by Article 28 of Geneva Convention 4 and Article 51 7 of Additional Protocol 1. David Crane, a former Defense Department official and a veteran of numerous international war crime investigations, told the Associated Press that Ukrainian forces may have violated the laws of armed conflict by not having evacuated the occupants in the care house. Oh, 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 thank you, David Crane. Thank you, David Crane for um, leaving the Russians out of this, which means um, uh, the entire report is probably a little bit biased and slanted, a little bit spun, 
right? Can't expect to get the whole truth, but you will get admittance, but they will make sure to drag the name of their enemy down in it. But at least David Crane can see that Ukrainian forces might have violated the law by not evacuating the carriage house, which means it probably had nothing to do with the Russians. The Russians probably had nothing to do with that care house. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, they still have to tell some truth. Um, it wraps with David Crane saying the bottom line rule is that civilians cannot intentionally be targeted. And that seems to be a chief um, 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 operating procedure with these Ukrainian armed forces. He says, period, for whatever reason, the Ukrainians placed those people in a situation which was a killing zone. And you can't do that, Zelensky. Put your pants back on, Zelensky. Wipe down those piano keys, Zelensky. And you know what? Make sure you use the bleach, Zelensky. Can't do that. What is going on here? Okay, so hold on. Let me get myself fixed up, ladies and gentlemen. What did Mr. C do this time? Here we go. I think we're back ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's this photo again. So we've got, um, we have got uh, examples of Ukrainian shelling in their own nation, on their own land, ladies and gentlemen, on their own land. Documented more often than not, believed by most, if not the majority of individuals uh, but the point here was also, after looking at this spoil of land, was to share this with you guys. So let me move that over just a bit. This here is that very report I was just talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Situation of human rights in Ukraine in the context of the armed attack by the Russian Federation. Ooh, okay, we're not going to go through all of it. It is only 44 pages. I am, I am going to read this. I haven't read the whole thing yet. Uh, but uh, just some interesting stuff that I wanted to point out. Uh, we'll, we'll go down a bit. And we'll come to a point, but this should this is this will make for very interesting reading to see what the United Nations has to say about this situation and who's done what and what's done who. I mean, if you look at this, uh, it says right here uh, during the reporting period, the Office of the High Commissioner uh, for Human Rights recorded a total of eight thousand three hundred and sixty-eight civilian casualties. 3,924 persons were killed and 4,444 people were injured. At least 95 girls, 98 boys, 985 women, 1,519 men, 1,227 persons whose sex is still unknown were killed between February 24th and May 15th. 8,000 civilian casualties, ladies and gentlemen, in addition to everything that was going on for the eight years prior to this special military operation to the liberation of the Donbass region people. Uh, as an example, but uh, if we move along down here, how many of you guys remember the story of Kramatorsk? 
Do y'all remember the story of Kramatorsk? Hey, Temgrau, thank you for gifting the can. Much appreciated, my friend. Raven2000, good evening, Raven, says uh, the UN is just like the FBI, CIA, federal government. Has a lot of deep state at the top. Oh, yeah. And Texas Grammy, have a good evening. Gotta go walk the dog. Oh, you be safe out there walking that poochie. Texas Grammy, and thanks for stopping in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good to see you hanging out. All right, and uh, I'm not missing any other gold pill moments, am I? There we go. I think we're good. All right, we're gravy, ladies and gentlemen. Hope everyone's enjoying the show tonight. All right, let's get back into this. So if you guys remember Kramatorsk, all right, Kramatorsk. For those of you who do not remember Kramatorsk, allow me to remind you. Picture this, the Ukraine, 2022. We're in Kramatorsk in the eastern portion of Ukraine. It's a hot, sunny day. There's been shelling and bombing throughout the afternoon and all through the evening before. We are trying to flee a family of Ukrainians that don't necessarily support the Nazis or the Banderites, that want liberation, that just want to be free. So we get to a train station in the city of Kramatorsk. We've been waiting for hours. The station is full. And out of the sky comes an object that if one looks at close enough, can read the Russian printed inscription on the object that says children. And then that object lands by the train station and explodes in a cluster bomb that takes several lives, destroys the station, and it's an all-out downright tragedy. Kramatorsk using a missile that is known to be used only, exclusively, by the Ukrainian armed forces, who thought, if we paint a Russian word on this missile, they'll have to believe it was the Russians. <laughs> the tragedy here, ladies and gentlemen, of course, would be that... Dozens of innocent civilians died in the bombing of Kramatorsk. The bombing of Kramatorsk was blamed squarely on the Russians. And then we debunked that situation here at the Sea Report. It got debunked. Debunked, debunked, debunked. It was, uh, it's a, a big tragedy, right? You know, it's, it's definite war crimes and war uh, cr crimes against humanity. How does... The uh, United Nations um, Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. How do they see that? Let's see what they have to say in the report. They actually talk about Kramatorsk in this report. And I think it'd be interesting to see how they officially document, document the situation. It says here, uh, regarding the means and methods, their areas of concerns is use of explosive weapons in populated areas 
including cluster munitions. Cluster munitions are already illegal to use in war. It says here, the vast majority of civilian casualties documented by the Office of the High Commissioner of, the, of Human Rights in Ukraine since 24 February were caused by the use of explosive weapons in populated areas such as shelling from heavy artillery, including multiple launch rocket systems, MLRs, MLRSs, and missile and airstrikes. Some of these weapons, such as the MLRS missiles and air bombs, can carry cluster munitions. The Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights has reasonable grounds to believe that both Russian, you see they have to throw in Russia, both Russian armed forces and affiliated armed groups, as well as to a lesser extent, Ukrainian armed forces, when they're the only ones who have done outright violations of human rights have been using weapons in most cases uh mlrs's and missiles equipped with cluster munitions again the office of the high uh, commissioner for human rights notes that the use of cluster munitions in densely populated areas is very likely to breach the prohibition of indiscriminate attacks. That's a, uh, that's a, uh, a rule of engagement, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so we skip down here to uh, emblematic attacks with the use of cluster munitions. On March 14th, Russian-affiliated armed groups claimed to have intercepted a Tochka-U missile equipped with a cluster munitions warhead over the center of Donetsk. As a result of the detonation of four sub-munitions in the vicinity of the missile's crash site, 15 civilians were killed, three women, one man, and 11 adults, whose sex is still unknown, and 36 injured 20 women, 14 men, one boy, and one adult whose sex is still unknown. Ukrainian armed forces denied any involvement in the incident. How interesting, right? It says, on April 8th, cluster sub-munitions from a Tochka-U missile that fell on the railway station in Kramatorsk killed 60 civilians. Four men, 16 women, five girls, two boys, and 33 adults whose sex is still unknown. And injured 111, one man, one woman, three girls, three boys, 92 adults, and 11 children whose sex is still unknown. Waiting to be evacuated. The day before the incident, several thousand civilians could not evacuate from Kramatorsk and were waiting for three trains which had been delayed en route to Kramatorsk due to a railway bridge suffering damage from an airstrike. In the absence of any clear schedule for the next departures and owing to the volatile security situation, prospective evacuees had been gathering at the train station since early morning. Ukraine accused Russian armed forces of deliberately targeting the civilians. The Russian defense military denied the accusation, arguing it had not planned any military operations in the vicinity of Kramatorsk on that day. The uh, Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights is concerned that in the course of hostilities, both Russian armed forces and affiliated groups as well as Ukrainian armed forces took up positions either in residential areas or near civilian objects from where they launched military operations. Okay, 
So interesting. So they have a mention of Kramatorsk. They don't give you any type of um, opinion on who did it. But the missiles coming from the direction of the Ukrainians, the missiles being uh, the type that are used exclusively by the Ukrainians. OK, it's after all, it's the Ukrainians who have been purchasing and have been uh, uh, handed down, you know, Soviet era Russian equipment. You know, the Russians ain't using Russian equipment from the 1940s, 50s and 60s, ladies and gentlemen. They are using modern, updated equipment, you know. So the United Nations, uh, they're not spilling the beans, obviously. Why would they? That would actually work against them. But there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There is that. Uh, let's take a look at uh, one more uh, story in total uh, regarding Ukraine's behavior in Ukraine. Okay. And then we'll kind of do a blitz of Russia wrap-up news and we'll be done with Russia. Ukraine's attack on city in Kherson region reminiscent of Hiroshima. That sounds pretty dramatic. It says here, the Ukrainian attack on Novaya Kakovka, a city in the Kherson region controlled by the Russian forces, with American weapons is a crime against the civilian population. Vladimir Leontiev, head of the city's military civilian administration, told RIA Novosti on Tuesday night. According to him, there are victims, dozens of people who were injured, hundreds were left homeless. Tonight reminds me of the terrible analogies of the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki says Vladimir Leontoyev, which the United States carried out in August 1945. Almost the same thing happened to us today. There are already casualties among the civilian population. There are wounded. Hundreds of people were left homeless. Dozens of houses were destroyed. Hospitals continue to receive people. Many dozens of people are injured. We are shocked by this bombardment. Deputy head of the regional administration, Kirill Stremosyev, told RIA Novosti that Ukrainian troops launched a missile attack on Novaya Kakova, Kakovka with high-precision American HIMARS rocket launchers. A Russian ammunition depot exploded in the city. The speaker of the Odessa regional administration, Sergei Batchuk, and advisor to the head of the Kherson region, Sergei Klan, said, People's windows are flying out, but they are still happy because this means that the armed forces of Ukraine are close, Klan said. Sources of Russian TASS and RIA Novosti news agencies in turn say that warehouses with salt pepper, uh, salt peter, were attacked, emphasizing separately that the Karkovskaya hydroelectric power station was not damaged, but the nearby market, hospital, and residential buildings were. The information has already been unequivocally confirmed that a large humanitarian hub was located right a few meters from the missile hit, and a boy with a disability remained on duty there for the night. This is not some kind of heartbreaking story. It's actually true. 
This boy died for sure, but the psychological effect that they want to achieve in Kiev as a result of these bombings will not be achieved. This is a crime against the civilian population after all. First of all, Leontiev said, adding that he considers Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to be a criminal. So if I'm getting this story straight, the people of this area have confirmed that the Ukrainian armed forces have bombed an area and the area that they were bombing specifically was directly located next to a humanitarian hub. Meaning they were trying to take out the humanitarian hub. I mean, well, like, what if it was like a warehouse that like uh, had food and supplies and resources for people to come and get? What if that was the hub? You know, that's crazy. That's downright evil. These are the people on the ground in Ukraine that you're hearing this from. OK, I'm not just, uh, you know, making this stuff up or uh, reading the propaganda papers. I'm not reading the Russian Bot Daily, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Okay, I'm not, uh, you know, Russian Bot, right, okay. So um, this uh, uh, Leontiev person calls uh, Zelensky a criminal. When given an order to bomb the center of a peaceful city, this is a crime, Leontiev continues, an obvious crime, that has no statute of limitations. This is a real tragedy. The city of Novaya Kokkovka, a regional center in the Kyrgyzstan region, came under Russian control on the very first day of the Russian offensive in Ukraine, February 24th. Previously, there was no information in open sources that there were warehouses with saltpeter in the city. So Russia controlled that area I wouldn't. I would imagine they probably still have some, uh, you know, residual uh, troops in the area. But um, here is a photo of that um, bombed area in a Kherson, Ukraine. Very. Uh, what a very photogenic photograph, wouldn't you say, ladies and gentlemen? All right, let's do a quick rundown so you guys can uh, see what all else is going on in the Russia special military operation. Uh, this is coming from Sputnik International. Ukrainian militants involved in terrorism in Zaporizhia to be eliminated. So say the authorities as of uh, July 11th were what, five days removed from that story. It says here, uh, Moscow launched its special military operation in Ukraine. In February, in response to calls by the Donetsk and the Luhansk People's Republics for protection from Kiev's attacks, President Putin stressed that Russia's goal is to stop the eight-year-long war waged by Kiev against the Donbass republics, which he called genocidal. Uh, joint Russian and Donbass forces are on the offensive, um, closing in on the city of Seversk, in the northeastern part of the DPR, the, the uh, People's Republic of the Donetsk, uh, Luhansk envoy to Russia, Rodian Miroshnik, said um, he noted that Kiev's troops are holding Seversk only with the help of radicals 
who are acting like blocking detachments to prevent local forces from retreating. Earlier this month, Russian and Donbass troops seized control over the city of Lysychansk, thus completing the liberation of the Luhansk People's Republic from the Ukrainian military. That's awesome. That is good. So one of the republics has been liberated. So that was an interesting comment here. It said that uh, Kiev's troops are holding Severesk only with the help of radicals who are acting like blocking detachments to prevent local forces from retreating. I guess I just don't understand the military speak to get what that's all about. Ukrainian drones attack building close to Zaporizhia nuclear plant. So the Ukrainians got drones now. I heard they were going to get those drones. Uh, a building close to the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant was attacked by two Ukrainian drones overnight. A spokesperson of the military civilian administration of the city of Enerhodar told Sputnik. Ukrainian militants involved in terrorism in Zaporizhia to be eliminated. Oh, let's see what that says here. Can you guys even see that? That's probably really, really light. I apologize. It's oh, Isn't that much better? Ukrainian terrorists, actually, we can do this now, probably. There we go. Ukrainian terrorists and saboteurs operating a Zaporizhia region could be eliminated upon arrest. Vladimir Rogov, a member of the main council of the military civilian administration of the region, told Sputnik, more and more of Ukrainian President uh, Volodymyr Zelensky's militants who dare to encroach on peaceful life in our region are eliminated during detention, Rogov said, adding that the property of the families of terrorists and their accomplices could be confiscated. Rogov told Sputnik that the security services of Ukraine is experiencing difficulties in recruiting people to carry out terrorists' attacks and acts of sabotage in Zaporizhia, despite the fact that the price tag has risen sharply. You see that? Everybody has their price, and a Ukrainian will turn on Ukraine and their family and friends for the right price. But the security service of Ukraine is having a hard time finding anyone who has that right price. Is that not just a beauty of human nature, ladies and gentlemen? Earlier, Rogov told Sputnik that Ukrainian troops had made an unsuccessful attempt to carry out an offensive in the Zaporizhia region, but met a tough rebuff and were forced to flee. He added that the city of Zaporizhia, currently under the control of Ukrainian troops, is waiting to be eliminated. I mean, sorry, to be liberated. My bad. So Zaporizhia, it seems like there's a lot of Russian, um, uh, Russian uh, backup there. In other words, support. Uh, Zelensky, Nord Stream turbine return to Germany unacceptable. Okay, that's a totally separate story. That's not about the war front. Scotiabank denies services to Russian diplomats in Mexico. Come on, AMLO. What you got going on down there in Mexico, AMLO? Poyansky, Ukrainian strike on Novaya Kovka, direct consequence of U.S. weapons supply. Oh, that don't sound too good now, does it? That does not sound good at all. Oh, well, that's just a statement, apparently. Ukrainian troops fail to launch offensive in Zaporizhia region. Okay. 
So the Ukrainian military has made an unsuccessful attempt to carry out an offensive in the Zaporizhia region, but received a tough rebuff. Vladimir Rogov, a member of the main council of the military civilian administration of the region, told Sputnik. We already read this entire statement, it seems like. Maybe, no, it says the Ukrainian army has recently became more active in the Zaporizhia direction, in addition to terrorist attacks, sabotage, and artillery shelling, an unsuccessful attempt was made to advance the Zaporizhia region. Their task was to inflict maximum damage on our positions, but having met a tough rebuff, they were forced to flee. Requiring human shields, I'm sure, United Nations Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. You might want to take note. He added that the city of Zaporizhia, currently under the control of Ukrainian troops, is waiting to be liberated. Okay, so here's the saltpeter warehouses that we were hearing about. Saltpeter warehouses exploded in Novakovka, or Kohovka, from Ukrainian strike. You see, even the city mayor concurs. It's all Ukraine, ladies and gentlemen. And there's that uh, Vladimir Leontiev. Okay. So now we know a little bit about that. Nazism in Ukraine akin to widespread cancer tumor. Russian envoy to United Nations. There's a lot of uh, interesting sounding articles. I'm going to have to return to at some point. But uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, there is your update. If we want to do a complete and final update of updates, let allow me to do this. First of all, let's shrink the page, shrink the page, shrink, 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 shrink that page. We'll take a look at the home page. And thanks again for joining us live here at the Sea Report. If you're new to the show, why would it say that? If you're new to the show and uh, you've maybe you've uh, tagged along a few times and you're kind of wondering, I thought this was an America First news show. Why are we talking about Russia? Well, that is a good question. That is a good question. But uh, we must uh, discuss the affairs of uh, other nations, particularly when uh, the things that they do quite honestly could possibly affect us over here or you know there's a major part to be played in the geopolitical landscape uh, depending what uh, what side of the chessboard that they stand on russia has most definitely been one of importance to us here at the sea report uh, because, uh, well, at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, it's, uh, it's us against the new world order. It's us against the globalist. It's us, us against the elitist, um, uh, humans, uh, traitors to humanity that, uh, think that they own us. And, uh, we like to keep an eye on such things and, uh, give a little bit of an assist to the, uh, international news factor that quite often gets a whole bunch of lies, propaganda, and unfortunately, the alternative and independent tend to go with the story that comes hot off the AP wire when it comes to international stories. We just can't have that shit happening anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, we just can't have that happening anymore. 
So we say Luhansk people's militia shows off heavily damaged British made M777 howitzer. Gabbard, another freaking rhino, Tulsi Gabbard. She's a dino, if not a rhino, but you know what? They're all winos. No, just kidding. They're all bad. I mean, they're bad. There is no saving the Democrat Party. I'm sure Republicans understand. It's just when you get to the, there's no saving the Republican Party that their eyes kind of, you know, uh, uh, go off into a distance and they start to tremble with that cognitive dissonance, that relatively nascent understanding of the way things are and the way things that they will have to be. People still eat out of the hand of Tulsi Gabbard, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, Gabbard warns US proxy conflict with Russia and Ukraine brings it close to brink of nuclear war. Now, do you think that I agree with Tulsi about her stance on regime change? The United States of America, the CIA, and uh, other international countries, or I should say other countries, right? Why be redundant? Oh, uh, me and uh, myself, me and Tulsi. Oh, we see eye to eye on a lot of this stuff as far as regime change and the role that the United States plays in it. Oh, me and Tulsi. Oh, we agree on a lot of that. I'm not being facetious. I'm not lying to you guys. Me and Tulsi agree on a lot of that stuff. But does that mean that I should not identify her as a traitor to this country? Does that mean I should ignore where she comes from and what she's doing? Uh, you want to talk about a, uh, a smug narcissist with a maniacal sociopathic grin that touts guns, calls themselves America first and a Trump supporter and ends up being an operative in the end to deceive and fool those who were still holding on to the dream of the Republican Party? Well, that's Tulsi Gabbard for the Democrats who still believe in America and still haven't yet caught on to the fact that their party is totally corrupt, has always been corrupt, has always been about corruption, has always acted on and employed corruption, has always utilized corruption to get from point A to point B and to where they started to where they are now. Tulsi Gabbard was their last beaming hope that the Democrat Party could still be on par with the people, with the sovereignty of this nation, and with the freedom and liberty that we are entitled to as free moral individuals. But nope, gee, just like Greitens, because uh, Crenshaw didn't do a good job of that. The, she was like, you know, Crenshaw, uh, you had it made for you, Crenshaw. They gave you an eye patch. You know, they made you a war hero. And you still manage to mess it up. <laughs> Crenshaw still managed to mess it up. <laughs> Anyways, we'll stop at Tulsi Gap Bird, ladies and gentlemen. I think she has actually provided the perfect segue uh, to the final Russia. Ukrainian a bit of conversation I'd like to have with you all for tonight there and now and don't you know where are we on time oh boy we're already at two hours god you know this might this might be where we have to end the night ladies and gentlemen let's get through uh this video this is a uh segment 
of the John Ratcliffe Show. I mean, sorry, why did I say that? It's not the John Ratcliffe Show. It's the Matthew Vitica Show. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who had no idea, Matthew Whitaker, former acting attorney general under Sessions and Trump, prior to the great old Balugawell himself, William Barr, taking charge of the barge, we had uh, Matt Vitica. Matt Vitica, the man who appointed Durham himself, has his own show called Liberty and Justice. And uh, on one of the recent episodes of Liberty and Justice, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Vitica had on the air live with him John Ratcliffe, former director of uh, national security underneath President Trump, right? Uh, the DNI, National Intelligence. I apologize. I said national security. Security. Anyways, guys, uh, the reason why I bring them up is because they were having a, a, a hey, pardon me, pardon me, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew, shush, okay, sorry about that, y'all, sorry about that, hey, one, two, three, SKG, how is it going? Uh, hope you guys are doing well, hope you're doing well tonight, Miss one, two, three, SKG, yes, oh, Matthew Vitica, ladies and gentlemen, uh, so they were having an interesting conversation about Russia, actually. Now, you know, I, I just, we're going to, we're going to, things are about to get a little hard, ladies and gentlemen, okay? <laughs> How else do I say it, you know? Uh, Matthew Vitica. Okay, and um, John Ratcliffe, um, members of the Make America Great Again, America First Trump supporting patriotic Republican conservative wing of things in general, ladies and gentlemen. I've looked up to these men many times in my life. Um, Ratcliffe, uh, Getting President Trump the update on election theft the morning of the inauguration might be something I will take a pause on. Ratcliffe, Ratcliffe, Ratcliffe. But, you know, there comes a point in time, ladies and gentlemen, where every God-fearing, red-blooded, patriotic, conservative, awake American just wants those whom they hold respectfully so in higher regards than most, possibly as one of the final pieces of our salvation as a nation and to the restoration of the Republic. There comes a time when we just want them to tell us the truth, to speak truthfully, to speak as if though maybe there were not children in the room, to speak as if though they were in front of an audience that has an iron stomach and can deal with and can understand and digest and comprehend the things of this world. 
there comes a time when you don't want them to have to feel like they have to protect us anymore, you know? And there comes a time, ladies and gentlemen, when one really has to ask the question, whose side are they on anyways? Um, let's just take a look at this uh, interview, ladies and gentlemen. Again, the boys are talking shop about Russia. And I want you guys to think about everything that we've debunked here on the Sea Report. I want you guys to think about every point and counterpoint I have shared with you guys here on the Sea Report. I want you to think about every understanding that has been exhibited, expressed, and learned here at the Sea Report, discovered through research and through, uh, you know, uh, listening and reading and watching hours upon hours upon hours of documentation perspective on the situation in Russia. I want you to think about the videos and the experiences of the witnesses on the ground in Ukraine that I've shared with you guys here on the Sea Report. And I want you guys to think about that while we listen to the conversation by two of the most undoubtable powerhouses in the area of our salvation for the nation and the restoration of the Republic, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, just think about all those things while you listen to them. Think about all of those things while you listen to what they say. I want to get your perspective on Russians' invasion into Ukraine. Clearly, it's been a two-part. Uh, first, they tried to just you know dismantle the government, hit Kiev, take control of the entire country. And I think now they've strategically repurposed. Um, is there ever going to... Damn it. We're already up to strike one, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, Matt Whitaker. Come on. Who in their right mind, whose intelligence report are you reading? Are you getting the daily double from uh, Antony Blinken and, uh, and uh, that Sullivan guy, Jake Sullivan? Come on, Whitaker. Come on, Whitaker. Don't you get that the people who know and respect you and watch you and listen to you, they know Russia never went in with the intention of taking over and bombing and keeping Ukraine. Let's listen to what he said again, okay? We already know this special military operation had very specific parameters, okay? That's not by my word or belief. That's by everything we've seen. That's from the words of Putin. That's from every single person who has ever spoken honestly about the situation in Ukraine, we know there were very specific parameters, and this has never been declared a war, least of all by Putin. All right, Whitaker, we're watching, we're listening, we're learning, and if they're not, I am taking notes. Dismantle the government, hit perspective on Russians' invasion into Ukraine. Clearly, it's been a two-part, uh, first they tried to just, you know, dismantle the government, hit Kiev, take control of the entire country. And I think now they've strategically repurposed. Um, is there ever going to be an end to the Ukrainians' fight? I mean, they appear to be willing to defend their country uh, with everything they have, and we're pouring a ton of resources into it. But what's, where, how do you, does it, does it end? And if so, how, you know, 
predict the future for me. How does how does it end? Yeah, uh, I'm not optimistic, Matt, that this is going to be well for uh, this is going to end well for um, Ukrainian democracy. Um, so where? So I got to ask the question. And that's why I asked, well, whose side are you on? You want to save Ukrainian democracy? I'm all for saving Ukraine, but what about the people who are running Ukraine? What about the corruption? Corruption? What about the Zelensky ties? Where's all the money that we've given you guys? Billions of dollars gone so far in Ukraine. Do we get an itemized receipt back? Do we get to find out where that mon money was laundered to? Um, why don't I like the tone of this conversation? The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report. And thanks, y'all. Let's start where what's important to look at this is where, where did this come from? And um and and really if you, you trace the problems that we're having with Russia, with China, with Iran right now, it all goes back to Afghanistan. And at the time, many of us said, you know, in the face, not just of a withdrawal, but of, of a defeat, of a retreat, of a surrender, the kind of a surrender that allowed, you know, even as we're even as the Biden administration is backing out the door, 13 Americans are killed, you know, at the Abbey Gate and and Afghans are falling off the wings of C-17s are being ground up in the wheel well. Um, uh, it, it was that feckless uh, withdrawal and retreat that really said to the rest of the world, primarily to our adversaries, boy, things are changed. Donald Trump is not the president anymore. And so we all, you, me, everyone else thought they're going to test us. They're going to see, gosh, you know, if the United States gets punched in the mouth, are they going to punch back? And and the first example of that is is uh, is Putin and Russia and Ukraine. So, you know, Vladimir Putin, you know, has always wanted to re reunify Ukraine into the Soviet, you know, the old Soviet sphere of influence, which is why he took that first step in taking Crimea when Joe Biden was last in the White House. Okay, so um, there's apparently there's this ancient program that they are um, still running on. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's, it clearly has been shown. Just uh, review that history book. And he is going with uh, news from a long time ago. Now, 
I've read a lot of um, Eastern uh, hem Eastern Hemisphere type news coverage, etc. I never heard that Russia was to be brought back to the Soviet Soviet Union era type of powerhouse uh, from Putin. I've never heard that. Now, is Russia returning to a Soviet Union type powerhouse a boogeyman that can easily be deployed to make people recall the Cold War and, uh, you know, never mind all the times that Russia was our ally? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so here we have Ratcliffe, a man that we're supposed to trust because Trump, right? Trump, right? We have to trust Ratcliffe. Um, is talking about uh, Putin has always wanted to become the Soviet Union. Putin, that's why he went in and he took Crimea when history shows that uh, it was a referendum that the Russian troops were in Crimea because the uh, the uh, parliament of Crimea was being attacked by uh, ultra-nationalist uh, entities so that this way they could not hold a vote or a referendum. And, uh, and that was that, you know? And that's the reason why uh, Putin did not accept the Donbass region into Russia per a referendum because that would be far too easy for the West to spin as Putin taking over more land to return to the Soviet Union era. As I said, ladies and gentlemen, and maybe it's their bad, maybe it's John Ratcliffe's bad, and maybe it's Matthew Whitaker's bad, that maybe they think that Americans can't handle the truth about Ukraine and Russia. Maybe Americans can't handle the fact that Nazis are still alive and operational. Maybe Americans can't handle the fact that Putin is actually working against the new world order and is taking care of a big piece of the pie, you know, as far as wiping out operations and stuff like that. You know, or maybe it's their bad that they don't realize that we know and understand and get what's going on at a much deeper level than your average sleeping American. And maybe it's their bad that they don't realize that they are being called up to bat on a topic that not many awake Americans will be paying attention to anyways. Let's go ahead and continue with the puppet master's narrative of Ukraine. Is that too cynical? Is that too paranoid? Or as we get closer to restoring our Republic, as we get closer to our end goal, are we going to start to see our heroes and the people we thought were on our side called up to bat and show their face of who they really are. The end's not for everyone, they say, but um, that's what they say. And, and, you know, are we to believe that Vladimir Putin suddenly lost his appetite for the four years of the Trump administration? No, he didn't move further because Donald Trump and the Trump administration uh, 
established that there was a deterrent effect that he would pay a price that he was not willing to pay. And it, so it started, you know, months into the Biden administration that you saw this buildup of troops in the Donbass. So that's why we're in that situation, not just in Russia, but if you look at the aggression around the world, it really started in Afghanistan. But here's 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 what concerns me about where we are in, in Ukraine. There's a difference, Matt, between helping Ukraine and helping Ukraine win. And the Biden administration from the beginning was never about helping Ukraine win. Here's the here's the best example I can give you of this. Uh, Putin's invasion started on February 24th. Uh, on February 26th, what did Joe Biden and the Biden administration encourage Volodymyr Zelensky to do? Leave town Leave. to do exactly what they had done in Afghanistan. They offered him a ride to which he famously said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. So that told you that would have given Vladimir Putin a quick victory without a Ukrainian president staying in his own country. Um it took to, to his credit and the Ukrainian people. And to your point, they're willing to fight. They, they've showed that they will give they will give their lives. The problem is that was just the beginning of it for for a reluctant Biden administration that has been slow to respond. Even even in, even in the last two weeks, what you've seen as well, we're sending these, you know, our. Do you guys want to know the real reason why they wanted Zelensky to get out of town in Ukraine? I have no doubt what Ratcliffe says is true about uh, Biden's um, about Biden's intentions of, of getting Zelensky out of there, just like the uh, Western-backed uh, New World Order, United Nations, former employee, former president of Afghanistan, you know, just Western-backed, get out of there, flee the city, take all the money. Um, but something tells me there was a little bit more to that. You know, it would have made it far easier for Putin. Yes. Which would have made it far better for the West, uh, as far as optics go. So they could send in more help, send in some troops, get a world war going, that kind of thing. But they also wanted Poroshenko back. And, uh, do you think Ukraine would have been without a leader during this? I doubt it. If you guys followed all of the papers, internationally internationally speaking, leading up to the uh, embarkation of the Russian military into Ukraine, you will see dozens of headlines about the return of Poroshenko, the hero of Ukraine, the return of Poroshenko, the warrior that will defeat Putin. There was probably another narrative going on with getting Zelensky to flee, other than making him the, in, the total patsy, rat, mole, shill, little panty boy that he is, right? They could have, uh, they could have uh, taken out Zelensky in a shroud of dishonor, and uh, then they wouldn't have had to pay him off, right? That would have been an easier route to go. And then they would have gotten their Poroshenko back in, right? The same Poroshenko that was uh, in tow in presidency uh, while uh, Biden and uh, his little, his little, uh, you know, uh, uh, meth head son, uh, Hunter, uh, while they ran shenanigans in Ukraine, the same Poroshenko. I bet you... If Poroshenko had made it back in, if they had successfully gotten Zelensky out, oh, we would have already had a world war. All of the nations would have been like, we remember Poroshenko. You were a great, great thief. You were a great corrupt president. And they would all throw in for Poroshenko, not for Zelensky.
But uh, Ratcliffe sure is making Zelensky sound honorable. He sure is making Zelensky sound like a great hero of Ukraine. I don't like the way he's making Zelensky sound. That's just me, you know. And I used to give Zelensky the benefit of the doubt, ladies and gentlemen. But I don't know. I'll let you guys formulate your own opinion on this conversation based on the conversations that we have had here at the Sea Report and on our understanding based on international on the ground uh, information that we have shared here with you all, the audience, and then look into the eyes of our alleged heroes and uh, try and figure out or make sense of why they're speaking the way that they're speaking. I still don't understand. They sound like globalist hacks the way they talk about Russia and Ukraine. I'm just saying, if we understand, they have got to understand what is going on in Ukraine. Leave town to do exactly what they had done in Afghanistan. They offered him a ride to which he famously said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. So that told you that would have given Vladimir Putin a quick victory without a Ukrainian president staying in his own country. Um, it took to, to his credit and the Ukrainian people, and to your point, they're willing to fight. They, they've showed that they will give, they will give their lives. The problem is that was just the beginning of it for, for a reluctant Biden administration that has been slow to respond. Even, even, in, even in the last two weeks, what you've seen is, well, we're sending these, you know, our high Mars, our, you know, High, mo- high mobility artillery rocket systems to help Ukraine. Matt, we sent four HIMARS. They asked for 40. I mean, it's this, it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's this, um, uh, you know, continually slow and insufficient response. And I think as a result, what you've seen is Vladimir Putin knows that he's playing the long game. He's playing the game of attrition. Um, and as a result, you know, uh, Joe Biden stood up there and tried to take credit for, Oh, the, you know, uh, Europe is unified. NATO is unified. We're all on the same page. Um, And that was true in the beginning. But the way this works is, you know, public support um, creates public pressure, which which in which brings about, you know, the invocation of sanctions. But the opposite is true. And now this is what you're starting to see, Matt, is there's a lack of public interest in this, which means there's a lack of public pressure which means the sanctions are going to fall away. And you've already started to see some of this fracturing. Um, and so, you know, Vladimir Putin, you know, is is grinding it out. And people say, well, gosh, they've lost so many troops. One of the things that I learned, Matt, um, uh, in reading intelligence reports as the DNI, is you you learn a very scary fact, which is, you know, our leaders lament the loss of, you know, 13 Americans at the Abbey Gate. Um Vladimir Putin doesn't care if he loses 30,000 soldiers or 300,000 soldiers. His mindset is, you know, they're cannon fodder. There's always more as long as I get what I want. And, and, and so that's the approach he's taking. So I don't like how this is trending. Uh- okay, because I am not a Putin apologist, but I got to say, We don't know that. We don't know that the Russians are cannon fodder to Putin. I mean, I get it. Anytime we watch any type of public proceeding, it could all be manufactured. Look at the 2021 inauguration, right? 
Every time we see Putin, we could just be seeing what they want us to see of Putin, the show that is Putin. He really could view his Russian people as cannon fodder as long as he gets what he wants. It is very counter. It is very counter to the experience of the people on the ground in Ukraine, uh, where the Russians are the ones who are setting up these uh, humanitarian corridors. The Russians are the ones who are providing aid and food and supplies and resources to the Ukrainian people. The Russian people are the one. The Russian forces are the ones who are ensuring that civilians do not get harmed. Now, that's based on hours and hours of footage I have seen out of Ukraine, firsthand experience, a lot of it not in English, some with subtitles, some with the overdubs, you know, about uh, eyewitness reports about what has been experienced in Ukraine. And in the case of Russia, they are the ones that have value for human life. Now, if Putin did not even value the life of the Ukrainians. What makes you think that he wouldn't value the lives of his own people? If he is willing to put out these humanitarian corridors and take them food and supplies and it's videoed and it's documented and it's known, how on earth could he possibly view his own people as fodder for his own will? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It doesn't line up. And we have independent cooperation of this point. The operation that Putin and Russia are running in Ukraine with humanitarian corridors, with supplies and resources to civilians is the exact same operation that Putin and Russia ran in Syria, as has been confirmed by on-the-ground journalists who experienced Syria and are now going through Ukraine, and they can identify and they can um, verify that Russia's stance in these conflicts is typically humanitarian and civilian-centered. In other words, to ensure their protection. Now, if Russia's military is acting the same way in Syria as it does in Ukraine, and you see how the Ukrainians are handling this and what they're doing and using people as uh, living shields and bombing their own infrastructure and people, does any of what Ratcliffe just said, any projection or any assumption or any tall tale about Putin being a bloodthirsty, war-hungry demon makes sense. It doesn't. It sounds like the same old propaganda spin that we get about Putin from the elitist establishments. It sounds like stuff that they are forcing us to believe as the ultimate truth. And I don't like the sound of it. And actually right now I'm kind of looking at Matt Whitaker and uh, Matt Whitaker has this face that's kind of like I can't believe you're saying all this. Anyways, uh, you uh, you uh, overstepped the uh, information I was looking for, Mr. Ratcliffe. I'll leave it to you guys to assess yourselves. These are just my thoughts, okay? Um, and I also don't like that the impact that this is, is going to have, if this ultimately ends up with, with a Ukrainian defeat or 
the Russians picking up territory, which they very clearly have. I don't like the impact that's going to have with regard to China, because if I'm if I'm President Xi, what I'm looking at is is I'm saying if the European community and the West um, can't stand up and succeed against the 15th largest economy in the world, if that's too painful, if they can't stand the cost of all of this, what are they going to do against us, the second largest economy, fast closing on the largest economy? And so I think it emboldens him to think, you know, maybe now is as good a time as any to move on Taiwan. And that's my fear uh, over the next 30 months is, um, is, is that he'll see that if this is unsuccessful because of the approach that the Biden's, uh, Biden administration has taken, it is just going to engender um, future aggression from other adversaries uh, around the globe. One of the things that just crossed my mind as you were explaining uh, so importantly what's happening between Russia and Ukraine and how Vladimir Putin is thinking is I, I noticed over the weekend, uh, last weekend, a, a you know, as always happens in Washington, D.C., a leak of intelligence with an estimation that, you know, essentially Russia is going to kind of run out of steam uh, in their war effort and they're going to have to retool and, and you know, renew some of the, the fighting uh, units that are in this. Um, as DNI and I, you know, as Attorney General, when I was there, I was so frustrated by leaks, especially intelligence leaks. You know, we investigated them. We tried to prove the cases that we could. You know, oftentimes it's too uh, distributed. The intelligence is too widely distributed to actually get to sort of who had access to it and therefore who leaked it. Um, what how, how are Americans uh, that read news reports of intelligence leaks supposed to um, handle that information? Is it you have a like a best advice? If you read it, then it's true. If you read it, you got to understand sort of what the uh, evaluation is, since intelligence is more of an art than a science. I'd love your perspective as a former DNI. Well, unfortunately, you, you can't just accept it as true because we've, we've seen that many of these leaks, um, you know, are not true. And, and really, you know, when I hear about a leak, unfortunately, and this is the opposite of what you should be thinking, um, I think, what's the political motivation here? And that will really tell me whether or not the information is reliable. So let me give you let me give you, you know, an example. Um, when I was DNI, uh, one of the things that quote unquote leaked out of the intelligence community was that there was Russian bounties on American soldiers and that Donald Trump, because he was a, an ally of Russia or or Putin's puppet, was unwilling to, you know, to uh, to do anything about that. Well, the simple truth is, Matt, there were no Russian bounties. And so when I talked to the New York Times editor and said, you know, this is simply not true. You can't report this. And he said, well, we have sources to tell us this is true. And I responded, excuse me, I am the source. I'm the head of the intelligence community and I'm telling you it's not true, but they printed it anyway. And as you know, it consumed um, the American public, you know, uh, conscious for a while because it was so outrageous. Well, fast forward into three months into the Biden administration. And then finally there's this acknowledgement that, you know what, that whole thing about Russian bounties, there was nothing to that. It turns out that that wasn't accurate. But it, it drove a political narrative that they wanted, which was that Donald Trump was sympathetic to Russia and unwilling to stand up to them. And, and it was simply not true. And you, so you see it both ways. And so, you know, when I hear that, you know, to the point that you just made over the weekend about Russia's running out of steam is, again, 
this is a, is a leak that I don't find credible because um, at the same time, if you're moving flags on the board, what you see are more Russian flags are moving forward and Ukrainian flags are moving back. He's increasing his territory. So to me, you know, that quote unquote leak of information, you know, that, that, that Russia's hanging by a thread is really to try and make people feel better about the investment that the West is making and that the progress that they're making in standing up to Putin. When, again, um, to your first question, I think this is a war of attrition that's going to go on and long game benefits um, Vladimir Putin. Um, he's done this before. He's been successful in other places before. And unless and until, you know, the, the, you know, the West says, you know what, Ukraine may not be a NATO country, but we're going to treat them as such and we're getting more involved than, um, uh, you know, I think that this favors Russia in the end. And I don't believe that intelligence. Yeah. So also the G7 meeting, um, what do you think was helpful that they took off their jackets, rolled up their sleeves, took off their ties and then uh, were overheard, you know, essentially making insults to Vladimir Putin. I don't sense that Putin is the kind of guy that likes to be mocked uh, by the, uh, you know, sort of white wine drinking, uh, re-tasting uh, G7 leaders. You know, I, 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 it's funny you say that, Matt, because I, I thought the same thing as I, I watched this and I thought how things had changed um, when President Trump used to go to those things and they were not nearly as collegial because he was calling out the things that um, that the group had or had not done and, and you know in the past and I mean I got to tell you the picture that you just you know described of these guys walking out did not inspire confidence in me when you sit there and think these are the leaders of the you know of of of, of the democratic countries of, of the world and um, you know um, you know, I thought Donald Trump was conspicuous by his absence and the, the idea that there was a strong leader who would stand up to to President Xi and, and Vladimir Putin and, and others. And, yeah, I think it's absolutely the wrong approach um, um, for a group that does not have any success to point to, um, you know, uh, in, in connection with this issue moving forward. Um, you know, and that gets back to the point where. You know, leadership has as consequences, but the most important leader in the country is always the leader of the United States of America. And um, and and the fact that, you know, um, Joe Biden is the guy going over there, um, you know, the, the, the idea that the, those countries are going to either rally behind him or be, um, you know, in the case of Donald Trump, often uncomfortably moved to do the things that were necessary to do because he was willing to call them out. That's just not happening now. And they're all patting themselves on the back, um, you know, for a job not well done. Yeah. Well, John, you uh, have had a exemplary career in public service. Uh, I've been able to sort of watch and uh, cheer on uh, some of the things you've done, including when we were U.S. attorneys. And when you were in Congress, obviously, you led a lot of uh, fights in that regard. And then it's DNI. I mean, you did so much. So I uh, there's uh, like several other things I would love to talk about. We're, we're out of time. Uh, how can people uh, follow, follow what, what you're Okay, 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 okay. All right. Just an interesting little conversation. Just so you, my listening and viewing audience, can understand where your conservative Republican leaders stand on the topic of Ukraine and Russia. 
Oh boy, they sound like an entirely different class. I should say Ratcliffe, right? Uh, Whitaker was asking the questions. Uh, Ratcliffe was answering the questions and he talked like he had the perspective of a dandy old Tyrannosaurus Rex Republican Reptilian Rhino uh, Establishment uh, Insert uh, Sleeper Hack. Am I saying they're bad guys? No, I am not saying they're bad guys. But I am telling you guys, I have taken note. All right. So you guys worry about your state uh, and federal representatives being rhinos. And I'll worry about the former DNI. Okay. Deal? Deal. Okay. Because, you know, again, they never show their face unless they are called up to bat. And sometimes we're lucky that they show their face moonlighting in some other position. They're like, damn it, Ratcliffe, we didn't call you up to bat. Why'd you have to out yourself on what we believe on a global level should happen with Russia, Ukraine, and NATO? Damn it, Ratcliffe, why did you go and pull your own pants down in front of all of those respectable conservatives? Damn it, Ratcliffe. We could have we could have kept moving you higher up the ladder with every single deception. Am I saying that Ratcliffe is a deceiver? No, I'm not saying that Ratcliffe is a deceiver or a traitor. I mean, uh I don't know. This is a this is a small independent show, you know that Whitaker has. I don't I don't know why he I mean they could be running an ops here, right? Like let, let's make the enemy believe that Ratcliffe is on their side. Uh, that way when they have that meeting next week, at least uh there's no minced words when uh the topic of Russia and Ukraine comes up. That could That could absolutely be exactly why Ratcliffe sounded the way he stu- sounded today. I don't know. But I am taking notes, ladies and gentlemen. I am taking notes. Okay. All right. Ratcliffe. July 14th. Sounds like a globalist about Ukraine and Russia. Check. That's how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. That's going to wrap it up for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging out over here at the C Report with me, your host, Mr. C. And I hope you guys had a wonderful time tonight with some vital information. Uh, Hopefully your brains are a little bit more wrinkled than they were an hour, two hours and a half ago. We'll be back uh, manana, most likely, most definitely. Uh, Don't forget to stop over at thecreport.com where you can get more information about The Sea Report. Join the mailing list. Contact the host if you'd like to. Stop on in to the Shop Mr. C online store by clicking on the store button over at thecreport.com and uh, use coupon code 1776REBORN. And you can get 17% off all merchandise. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, all right. Time to depart. Time to separate ways for this evening. Never let it be said that parting was not such sweet sorrow. But we'll see you guys next time. So as always and forever, as you go out into that gentle night, please be safe. Please be blessed. 
And uh, God bless America. We'll see y'all next time. Take care until then.